0: Hey, what's happening everybody? We have our special edition Valentine's Day episode of The Strange Road coming at you. I'm your host Mikey and as, of course as always Bub, the bro host. How you doing tonight, Bub? Good, good. We're rocking in our streamyard format. We're I'm up here in master control, Bub's in his office, we're hanging yeah. out. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the uh, it's been a challenging week to be a live streamer and content creator. Uh, with intermittent internet, so we are rocking and rolling. Um, nothing's holding us back. Especially for tonight, we had to had to do this episode. We've been stoked for almost two months now. Right. Um, our guest tonight is an international best-selling and award-winning author of over forty-five published titles in both fiction and nonfiction. Please welcome Catherine Lanigan. Catherine, how are you?
1: I'm wonderful. Thank you.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's been we've been really looking forward to this. Oh, I have, uh,
1: too. I have, too. Ever since the last show.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Awesome. And yeah. just to let everybody know, Catherine, we uh, met her through Bill Homan. That's right. So when we had Bill on uh, for the Crystal Skull episode, right. uh, Catherine uh, came on and said hello to us and then also was in the chat. If all you guys remember uh, the chat, Catherine is in there mixing it up. Her and Bill uh, were hanging out with us for that. So uh, yeah. amazing. I'm so happy we're doing yeah. this.
1: Oh, I am too. I am too, especially for Valentine's Day. It's a very special day yes. in my life. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. And we we really wanted to, we were trying to get you on for a Christmas episode and just with the busyness of the holidays, it just schedules didn't line up. And you had mentioned, hey, I do uh, a lot of topical uh, different shows and so forth right. on angels during valentine's day as well so there we go and that's what mikey
1: the big reason that we had to reschedule was because i had fallen on november and broke both my arms
0: oh my (laughs) gosh that's right
1: holy
2: cow so i
1: so now (laughs) i am out of my cast oh wow only about 10 days ago and I'm doing all my therapy and everything. So, um, again, I can talk with my hands instead of these purple casts flying around the room wow. and knocking people and lamps over.
0: <laughs> well, That's... I'm glad you had a, a speedy recovery. And yeah, I, I know it, it probably painful. seemed like it went slowly, but, oh, my yeah. gosh, I totally it was, it remember. Was it was
1: painful. It was painful. It's probably more painful for Bill than it was for me. But it was very <laughs> painful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, poor Bill.
1: <laughs> I know. I couldn't even feed myself for about 2 weeks. I had two oh surgeries. Gosh. and two wow. surgeries cuz w- the left arm, the um ulna and the radius had been shattered. So, uh, wow, I now have is. a lot of a lot of titanium in that arm. Yeah. So you really do not want to mess with me now. And I don't need to take <laughs> martial arts cuz I could just go.
2: <laughs> oh man. $6 million woman.
1: There you go or eight. Oh
2: man. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh yeah oh, I broke my great. left arm years ago with Mikey and uh, I had to have mm-hmm. it surgically repaired so I know where you're at not with a double at the same time but man that's yeah, yeah I was wondering like how'd you eat how'd you shower how'd you do well, anything like the answer was put a big trash didn't... bag over my arm and
1: pretty close pretty yeah close. yeah
2: wow yeah it's mm-hmm. work it's work and it hurts <laughs> yeah
1: it hurts <laughs>
2: man yeah and it hurts
1: I'm that's glad stuff. you're doing
2: a lot better yeah
1: I'm I'm fine I'm fine
2: that's great great. Yeah.
1: Catherine, Sorry.
0: I would love to hear a little bit about yourself. And, you know, I know you've, you've written, you're a well, well-accomplished author. Thank and, you. And uh, I'd love to hop into, you know, your your latest book and and everything. Okay. But we, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. The floor is yours.
1: Um, I started writing when I was um, 30, p- being published when I was 30. I I went to, uh, I think probably my best story is that, um, I really always knew I wanted to be a writer, even when I was about six years old. I actually wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be, you're too young to remember, to even know about Brenda Starr, the comic Brenda Starr. But there was this journalist, her name was Brenda Starr. She was invented by a lady from South Bend, Indiana, actually. Um, mm-hmm. She has passed away since, but... Anyway, Brenda Starr had a boyfriend who was in Brazil in the jungle, so he didn't bother her very often, and she got to go all around the world and have all these wonderful adventures and all kinds of fun things that she did, and she met really interesting people, and I thought that was a great way to have, to run your life, you know, you just live out of a suitcase and, and just go on adventures and see everybody. Well, anyway, um, I went to high school and I had teachers that, you know, really, really backed me up and said, oh, yes, you really do have some talent. We want you. To... So I worked on the newspaper and I worked on the yearbook and you know all the average stuff. So I went away to college and I, you know, I declared I wanted to graduate summa cum laude and, um, you know, not make sure I got those goals st- set straight. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. I wanted to be a journalist, so I, w- I was going to go into creative writing and journalism school and all that kind of thing. So my first semester at school, I um, jumped into um, a Greek uh, Greek history and, and literature class, and for the final, awesome. we had to we had our choice between a um, multiple choice test. Or you could write your own Greek myth, and, and their Greek myth had to be 15 pages long. So um, I wrote my own Greek myth, and mine was 55 pages long. And because our my teacher <laughs> was the head of the English department, she said, well, next semester, you need to take this creative writing class that we have that is being run by a professor. He's a traveling professor. Back then, you had... These professors that would go around to I went to a little private school and they would go around, you know, and they'd be there for one semester, two semesters, that kind of thing. So anyway, this guy is from Yale or I think it was Yale where he was from. He had been teaching there. And um, so I got in. I was the only only, um, freshman in this class of all senior women. Who all had jobs already waiting for them, you know, at Boston Globe and the new, you know, new the New Yorker and Glamour magazine, all kinds of places, you know. But they were all placed, so they, you know, that this was like just, you know, whiz on through, no big deal. So after the first month, I wrote my first uh, short story. And we were supposed to take our short story and present it to the class. And then the class would critique it and tell you what was wrong with it, all that kind of thing. So obviously this was the freshman being thrown to the, the Christian being thrown to the lions. If you don't, if you get my drift there. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, the night, so the night before my, my uh, little story was to go to the class, the professor asked me to come to his office and he wanted to talk to me. And I was so sure because I had, I knew I had talent. I thought, oh my God, he's really loves my story and he's going to tell me how great it is. So I went to his office and um, he said, I was standing at the doorway and he says, oh, come in Miss Lanigan.' you know, and he's, it was absolutely the quintessential Hollywood or a high uh, uh, professor, you know, the Hollywood idea of a professor with a, with horn hornroom glasses and the. The corduroy jacket, and you know, it was very tall, six foot six, and his voice—you know, the whole the whole deal. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. The, you know, very intimidating, very
0: intimidating. Weed. <laughs> yeah, there you Weed go. Jacket.
1: So, um, anywho, I got in, and I had my my little short story in a in a folder, and he and he threw the folder at me, and it skidded across the desk, landed in my desk, and he says, "Frankly, Miss Lanigan, your writing stinks." Wow. Whoa. hello. Wow. Man. Uh, don't mince any words there. <laughs> you know? Don't want to be diplomatic. <laughs> so anyway, I was, um, you know, and I'm only like, you know, 17, 18 years old or whatever it was at the time. And, you know, and I was just like, how, how, how is this happening? And he said, you know, I don't know how you got into my class. I don't know what Sister Dorothy Smith was thinking about, you know, recommending you for my class because Jeez. you have to be fairly talented in order to get into my class you know and um i said well you know i, I just really want to be a journalist i really think that i you know i could do this job and he said believe me you can never earn a living and never earn a dime as a writer
2: wow
1: and he said words How- of
2: encouragement oh yeah, yeah.
1: so he goes Jeez. so he says he said um you, he said, your description is nice, but you have absolutely no idea what what characterization is, what plot structure is, you know, and he just went on down this you know, whole list of everything that I did wrong. And I, my, now at this point, I am crying, you know, and I'm just like, oh, God, you know, what am I going to make it. And he said, however. He said, "I'm very, very well uh, aware of the fact that you have declared that you want to graduate summa cum laude, but if you in your, it's too late in this in the game for you to take a pass fail in my class. So we can't go that route. So he said, the only thing for me to do to help you out is for me to be the crutches for you and get you through my class, so I can give you a B, so it won't just will not completely destroy your ability to get to your." you know magna cum laude but he said i'll tell you this i will make a bargain with you i will do this for you if you'll make me a promise and i said what's that and he said you promised me that you'll never write again what,
0: what? i don't get that that guy what? needs to be in a new profession what? do something different man
1: yeah so, so he wanted I- to
2: give you a passing grade or a b but he never wanted you to write
1: yeah correct And so so I said, and I was terrified, you know, and I, it was a Catholic school and I was all in, you know, we were always told you listen to the voice of authority, blah, blah, blah. So I said, it's a deal. And um, I said, I'll do what I have to do to get the B in the class. And um, so that night I took my little short story and I went to, I got a, a metal waste can and I went to the top of the dorm. We had a, a sun deck out there and a pack of matches and I burned it. And I said, and I made a promise to God that I would never, never believe in dreams again, that I would, if I could not see it, taste it, feel it, chew it, spit it out, I wouldn't do it. And I did not write anything for 14 years. Wow. Did not do it. I changed my I changed my major. He had said you need to change your major because you're not going to earn any money as a writer. So, and he said you know you could be a nurse. And I said, geez, I could be a teacher too.
2: (laughs) Jeez, yeah. Yeah. Singer, I
1: got. Get away, Catherine. Yes. Singer, I got.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: So anyway, I got the B out of the class, and um, but I did not graduate. So when I graduated magna, because I, I had to take a math class to pat, you know, to even you know graduate, and I I was really bad at math at that. And it was all that kind of crazy math, you know. It wasn't like you know, add these up and add you know black black numbers and red numbers. Those are the ones that you know. These are the ones that lose money. These are the ones that make money. Those are the only ones I know. <laughs> right. So anyway, that's my that's that is probably. Um, what's interesting is is Jack Canfield starts his lectures out with my story. <laughs> wow! He said, "If anybody ever tells you, you know, that you can't do something, let me tell you about Catherine. What happened to her? Oh you know, this gosh. one's a really <clears throat> this one's a real get Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, so, they just don't anyway. let
0: any any writer into the the chicken yeah. soup family, you know, you really have to know how to write and have to be yeah. accomplished to be able to, yeah. uh, be in that category of author. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my gosh.
1: So that's how that all that started. And then in, um, 19, I think it was the summer of 1978 or 78, I think it was 79, something like that. I was in San Antonio when judge woods was assassinated by the hell's angels at that time. Wow. And, all the journalists from all over the United States were there. I mean, I met Walter Cronkite, Howard K. Smith, you know, I mean, they were all there of that time, you know, the late seventies, the early eighties, you know? So um, anyway, there was this whole table of journalists sitting there and um, I'll by the, you know, the pool area, the restaurant, whatever. And I never had, guts to get up and say anything to anybody. And I went over to this group of writers. They were all sitting around writing different stuff. And I said, I said, you know, I just want to say what I really admire what you do, you know, as journalists. And this one guy turned around, and he said, yeah, well, what, it is it, what is it that you think that we do that you admire? And I said, well, you bring the truth. You go out to the, into the world and you, you know, walk through fire and go through wars and, and all kinds of things like that and come back and tell the truth. And he said, and I said, I always wanted to be a writer, but I have it on good authority that I don't have any talent. And he said, Who told you that? And so I told him the story about the professor. And he said, Well, what have you written? And I said, Well, nothing, because he told me I couldn't, I, I that I had no talent. And he said, Listen, I know writers that have screenplays and books stacked up to the ceiling, and they're and they have, they just keep on writing. And he said, right. if you to Be a writer, you would be writing. And he said, I'm really ashamed of you because you have not written anything. And I went home from that. And that was one of those aha moments in your life when you're just like, oh, I've been going down the wrong path, you know? Mm -hmm. And so spiritually, I believe that that person was brought into my life to, you know, kick the first one kicked me down the road this way. Instead of me kicking him back, Mm -hmm. I didn't. And then the next one comes in and kicked me back on the path where I was supposed to be. So um, anyway, I literally sat down and I wrote my uh, first book. It was a um, a romantic historical, but I made it a spy thriller, which wasn't done at the time. And and I've always been this conspiracy theorist. I mean, since I was a little kid, you know, it's like, like, well, what was really going on? You know,
2: right. Right.
1: And so I so I had a whole conspiracy. The whole thing was a conspiracy theorist around World War One, cool. which today happens to be the truth. So, <laughs>
2: right. Right. It's usually right. how it goes.
1: So we all love this now. But anyway, um I sat down and wrote the book. It was about 650 pages, something like that. I sat. I wrote it in about three months in longhand in my son's school notebooks. Um, I Jesus. had my girlfriend, I didn't even have a typewriter. Wow. I yeah. barely had a pencils and paper, you know, but I was writing and so I just kept on writing. And then I hired my girlfriends in the neighborhood to type it up because they were all secretaries or had typewriters at home and I didn't have one. And I packaged it all up. I sent it to this guy, you know, who he'd give me his card and I sent it to this guy and, <clears throat> you know, month went by or whatever. And he called me one day and he said, hey, you know, I got your manuscript. And he said, I thought it was damn good. So I sent it to my agent in New York and she's going to call you in half an hour. So this woman calls me Holy from New cow. York. She starts asking me, you know, what plans do I have for the book? Do I want to go trade paperback, hardcover? I don't know. I didn't. I never even heard the word trade. I didn't know what that was. Sure. And she said, "What do you see for your career?" And I'm going, "I," you know. She goes through this whole long thing. So I finally said to her, at the, "I said," she said, "I want to sign you up with my with my um." With my agency, I'll send you some papers in the mail, you know, for you to sign some contracts to sign. And she said, "Now get busy, else, you know, trying to sell your book." And she said, "So, do you have any questions for me, you know, as we end this conversation?" She and I said, "Yes, I just have one." And she said, "What is it?" And I said, "Does this mean you like the book?" (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I was like back there, like, "Okay, are we all right now?"
0: Right. (laughs) Right. That's too funny. And, uh, and in about
1: six weeks, she had two publishers bidding on the book. Amazing, That's awesome. Look at that. Yeah. And and now, I mean, it's been uh, you know for everybody. It always That's is great. It's a struggle. It's a struggle ever since. You know, it's not like oh, just because you write a book, you know, it gets gets where you want it to be. But right. Uh, mm-hmm. There's always struggles in everybody's career and ups and downs and all kinds of and people fall and break their arms and can't type and
0: right yep. <laughs> yep. like
1: that yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got but, it
1: yeah but we get there so um, anyway sense. so I, because of all of that this happened you know I knew I was really on a, a magical path but the thing that really 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 changed. Um, uh, the other trajectory of my writing, because then I went into the nonfiction. And that was in 1987. Both my parents were at the Grand Canyon, and they both had heart attacks at the Grand Hmm. Canyon. So my mother had the first heart attack. And so they, you know, the, the ambulance came and took my mother to Flagstaff to the to the hospital there in the, in Flagstaff. Mm -hmm. And as they were rolling my mother into the ICU, my father dropped dead outside the doors of the ICU and the doctors came and he was dead for 22 minutes and they did everything that they could. I mean, they paddled him, I think three times. They broke all of his ribs, his sternum, his clavicle, everything banging on him, all that that they have to do, you know, to, to um, bring him back. They did bring him back you know? So, um, my sister was in uh, Chicago Mm -hmm. and I was in Houston. So we decided, she, she called me to tell me what was going on. We, she flew, I flew, we both got to Phoenix and we got there late at night in a thunderstorm. Now this is back in the eighties. So you'll love this. So you can only get like a little puddle jumper in the middle of the night, right? You know, like at 11 o'clock at night to go from, from Phoenix up to flag. And so we're in this little puddle jumper, Lightning everywhere, right? There's only like four or five people in this plane, you know, and we're all, all
2: like this. Good grief.
1: <laughs> to flagstaff oh, it, man. my sister's sitting there the whole time with her rosary, you know, like we're gonna die, we're gonna die. In- <laughs> and so we we did not die, obviously. Oh. So we get <laughs> we get to flagstaff. And, and of course, the, the, back then, there was always just visiting hours. You weren't supposed to come in at midnight, but because of the situation, both my parents being there with heart attacks, the nurses and the doctors knew we were coming. So anyway, when we walked in, my dad was awake. It was about midnight, 1230 or whatever. And he said, oh, Kath, I am so glad you're here. I've got to talk to you. And I said, I said, that's great. I said, you know, I, how are you doing? He said, no, no, no. I got to tell you what they told me on the other side. And I said, now, he's very Catholic, right? So Catholics always say heaven. They don't say the other side. And this is in the 80s. You know, people weren't throwing the terms around that we use now, the other side, all that kind of stuff. And um, so I had heard the other side, and I knew what the other side was, but I didn't know that. he. So he has this, you know, we're talking a quantum leap for this guy. And um, he said, I, I talked to the being of light and I want to tell you about that. And I said, wait a minute, the being of light. Now, I had not heard of a being of light at that point.
0: Okay. And I said,
1: I said, the, I said, you mean an angel? You talk to an angel? And he said, no, 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 no. The angels are the other guys. This is a being of light. He said, when you first go over, I mean, like he's done this 10 times, right? Wow. You know, wow. When you first go over, <laughs> like it's. Wow. Saturday night at the bar, walking up to the bar. When you first go over, you see the being of light first. <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, so what did the being of light say? And he said, well, the being of light said that they were going to send me back because I had not learned the only lesson that a human being is sent to earth to learn. And I said, and what is that lesson? And he said, the lesson of love. And I haven't learned that yet. Hmm. So that's wow. pretty cool, isn't that's- that
0: That's very interesting because you do hear that, you know, I've spent some time back in the day, but looking into near-death experiences, and I just Mm -hmm. like the stories that people tell from nurses and doctors. And, you know, Bub actually has a a really cool NDE story as well, Um, but it's just something that's always stuck out in my mind is those are the people that went across the line and then came back to tell about it.
1: That's and, right.
0: And there's a lot of overlap in those stories, which I find really interesting. And you have you found that, too, that there oh, is a I lot have. of yeah. similarities?
1: Yeah, I've because I've interviewed probably, I mean, almost a thousand people, you know, back um, in the 1980s, MDEs were not heard of. Now it's like, you know, one in five people have died and come back because we yeah. a, because we have all the apparatus to bring you back you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, he said, um, well, that's only part of what the being of light had to tell me. And I said, well, what else did he tell you? And he said, well, the rest of the of the, of the the um, messages were about you. And I said, wait a minute, your near-death experience was about me? And he said, yeah. And I said, what did he say? And he said, well, he said, you're going to write a book. And I said, well, daddy, since um, I've written about eight or nine at this point, that's, uh, that's not a problem. He said, that "Oh no, checks no, no. Out. <laughs> yeah, right. I said, um, I, I've already written some. He said, no, your writing has to change and it's going to change a lot. And I said, and how is it going to change? And he said, because what, what they want you to do is you are to go out and get the stories from other people about like, what's happened to me or their stories like what was happening to you as a little girl because I would see you know Mm -hmm. the first time I saw an angel I was three I probably saw him before that but what I really remember was one when I was three years old and and my dad used to my dad and my mom used to um you know punish me for you know telling stories of of seeing angels and talking about angels and talking to wow. angels and, and because they thought I was crazy, you know, they didn't want to have the only crazy kid on the block. And um, so he said, you know, I, I've got to, I, I want to tell you that I'm sorry for, for doing that to you. And I'm sorry that I didn't tell you that I loved you, you know, because I need wow. to do it all That's the time. Deep. And and then after that I will I will say when I would call when I would call home before, prior to his near death experience he would always say well uh, oh hi Kathy uh, let me get your mother for you you know hmm. well then after that I would call and he would say. Um, he would just start talking to me. He'd say, well, what are you doing? How is everything going? Are you working on another book? How is, how's my grandson, blah, blah, blah. You know, he wanted to have the conversation and then he Mm. would always end with, I want to tell you that I love you. So it was very, very different after his near death experience. And he lived for another five years after that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, back to the being of light. So the being of light told him that I that I was going to have to write all these stories, these angel stories. I was going to put them in books. And he said, and and then and he said, and you will. He said, you will write more. You know, you're going to write a few of these books, these angel books. And he said, and then when you die, you will be judged on those books that you write.
0: Wow.
1: I was going to
0: say that freak you out and, and motivate that, you
1: and then board of directors yeah
0: that's a whole and, different level of uh overseeing the project if you yeah will. exactly
1: that criteria <laughs> right. is a little bit different but, don't you think
0: yeah that's a different kind of editor pressure
1: yeah
0: exactly <laughs> like yeah, that's life a big editors. ask that's yeah. a big ask
2: wow it is a
1: big ask but um but but what's interesting is is that even from the beginning when when romance books were really taking off and some of the writers were getting you know really sexy about their books and stuff, mine wow. always had that spiritual bent to the love relationship you know it had to be mm-hmm. something that was I always I tried to weave in past life, you know like they had known each other from a past life or there was something that was very ethereal about how about that relationship and how they felt. I mean, even from the very beginning. And, um, and then as time went on, I started having the spiritual, the spiritual aspect be part of the plot. Um, Mm. you know, so, so that there was always that, that, um, thread in there all the time, you know, and then, um, and then, the, as I would go around and I would do um, book signings, or or I'd be on shows, or television, or a radio show, or drive time, or whatever, that I would. It's amazing how many people would say, "Are you coming out with another um, angel book?" Because I have an angel story I want to tell you. And and so I collected these angel stories from people. I would call them, and I'd you know we would chat and talk and interview, uh, not really interview them, but you know they would. Tell me that they wanted me to use their story or whatever, or, or synchronistically. You know, I would just keep meeting people that had a really incredible story and they'd never told anybody. What's really interesting to me is the demographic of the people who did not talk about their stories. And you know what? The number one demographic was when of people that actually saw. A an ascended master of any kind, you know, Jesus, Mary, an angel, archangel, um, um, even uh, Buddha. Do you know? Do you know what they are? What pastors?
0: Wow! Priests coming to them as pastors. Nuns.
1: They would not talk. Okay. They they were afraid that their congregation would leave. Whoa. That their congregation would think that they were trying to say that they were better than everybody else Whoa, wow. you know that kind of thing and that was the number 1 demographic that did not so they used my books they would they would always give me their story anonymously and then the number 2 was truckers truckers wow, had really? great truckers have great great stories about oh, angels yeah. i mean i mean they can literally like morning noon and night these guys get out of a truck and walk over here and there's an angel standing there it's just wow they must be they i think that they have extra sets of angels because they're always Uh on the road they're always battling um crazy drivers or or um the weather yep you know the weather is a really big thing especially out west I can totally see that, you know, ice storms and wind out west, mudslides, electrical storms, things like that. It it was it's very interesting, um, I think, of the the um, kinds of stories that I would get. And then sometimes they would tell me stories and they'd say, well, I don't want you to tell it. You know, I I have this really great story. And then they would say, but I don't I don't want I am not going to give you permission to read. I went, why not? Yeah. I, mean, I know I'm going are you crazy this is really a good story you
0: know well so, I wanted to show everybody okay. just uh, a look at uh some of your books here sure. and let me just uh figure out how we do that um should be able to just hit it at the stage there yeah. it is oh. Woo. there we go look yeah. at me I know how to hit buttons.
1: That's right.
0: Buttons.
1: And that one, that one is still available in a, both an ebook and print on Amazon. So that's really, that's really fun.
0: Yeah. So this is kind of an example of, of the books, some of the books mm-hmm. that you were talking about, where you're just logging all, and this is the kind of stuff I love. I yeah. love listening to reading about people's accounts, um, yeah. you know, coming in contact with you know these beings of light. They got light coming out of their hands. You know their yes. faces all lit up, and it's yes. hard to kind of see their faces. Um, mm-hmm. And and there's some pretty amazing stories of of. And you know what what are they? Are I've heard stories of people actually seeing like Archangel Michael, but he's got the the golden armor and you you know with the silver inlays and it's very very specific to you know that that angel card when you're a catholic bub that we got uh you know probably as a bookmark or something for catechism or whatever it is but it's Mm -hmm. got that like look of you know archangel and and so what do you think about you know angels since we're we're on the subject of uh, you know valentine's day and uh you know are these ascended masters are these you know these these beings that fall from heaven and there's so many different kinds of angels
1: well angels uh, let's angels are a species a real a, a a human being cannot be an angel an angel cannot be a human being you know an angel is a species they don't fall they don't do you know they now there are um angelic-like beings that come and they are like humans that help us. And we say, oh, that's an angel. I mean, even I say, oh, that's an angel who helped me. And I mean, I've got um, uh, in, in um, Angel Watch and in Divine Nudges, I have vanishing angels. I always have a section that's vanishing angels where an angel came in, helped a person, guided them, and then literally vanished right in front of their face yeah. and their eyes. When I say I saw an angel, I'm talking wings. You know, the ones that I see, I'm talking about the wings of real celestial. I'm dealing with the celestial realm. Okay.
2: You're talking a traditional angel.
1: I'm talking a religious, a religious traditional angel. You know, the Chinese, the Hindu and um, Buddhists all have angels that have wings.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Absolutely. Old, real i've i've got a I've got I did a presentation in uh, Lilydale Assembly at, lat, in the um, spring and uh, of last year. And I, I had assembled. I was trying to find all the old, old art because I wanted to see. And every one of those old Confucianism had an angel with wings Mm. Uh, Taoism had an angel with wings, and so these these beings have appeared, you know, to the to mankind, uh, even on cave drawings. They have wings, you know. And if you even go to an Egypt, I mean, everybody had wings. If you were, you know, you right. Look at the diagram, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So so when I say that kind of angel, so I have different categories of, you know the angelic, I call it the angelic realms that help us, you know, the light being, there's light beings. Um, like your deceased family are not angels, you know, that's your deceased, That's your, they, they are your guides. They can have them as your guides. You can have them as your helpers. But when I say somebody, when I see somebody's angel, I really mean An angel. I don't mean your dead father or your grandfather. That's your ancestors. Not that they're not full of light and 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 helping you and spiritual and all that. I'm just saying they're not the species of an angel. You know what I'm saying? Right,
0: right, right.
1: And because the different realms of angels are are really right next to the Creator, God's source, the source. They come. They bring a message from source to you, to help you, to guide you, especially now, I mean, at this point, at this juncture of humanity right now, um, this this book that I'm coming out with, and guys, I really want to have another show when we really talk about that, because we're going to get really down about what's going on right now, and with the angelic realm and what it's doing, because they are here. They they really are here, and right before and I'll give you a little preview. It was right before the COVID in August of 2019, because the COVID didn't really come to us until like you know December, January, February, right uh, right of 2019 and 2020, right right yep We agreed okay. So in De- in in August maybe Labor Day September, I was sleeping. And, um, I heard this knock on my door, on my bedroom door and I woke up. I mean, I'm, I'm awake. I woke up and there's Jesus. And he says, I want you to get up. He said, well, I heard Catherine wake up. And then I woke up and there, there was Jesus. So I don't want to say I woke up because he woke me up and he said, I want you to go to the front door, come with me and go to the front door. And I went to the front door and he said, I want you to open the door. And I opened the door. Now, both of those are an act of submission on my part. He is my leader. He is my master. I do what Jesus told me to do. Correct? We agreed there?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fair okay. point. Yep.
1: All right. So I opened the door and out on my front lawn, I have these two Adirondack chairs. In one chair is is Michael, is Michael the archangel. And then there's, an, an, there's another angel with them. And I to this day, I, Jesus just said, look at, you know, and I'm looking at Michael and, and that's the breastplate and the whole thing. I've got a whole thing where I describe what, you know, to, to a, the nth degree of what, what Michael is, you know, wearing and and in this next book, because that's another thing that happened um, during the COVID. But anyway, so I live on, A golf course, and it's a very old golf course, it's a hundred years old. So the trees go from here to heaven, right? And my window looks straight out on a fairway that goes straight down from here, and it's about three-fourths of a mile, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's just there's trees and water and everything on either side of it, okay? And halfway down, and I'm looking at Michael, and Michael says, Look there, and he points. To this place on the golf course, okay, and I look there, and there is the ten thousand, is Jesus's ten thousand angels, wing to wing, humming, and they are humming this beautiful melodic angel sound that I've heard, that I've heard, uh, sure, uh, during my, my near death experience. But anyway, and the, and all they say, they're just. And there's two things. All they say is we are here. We are here. That's all they say. That's all they say. That's what they sing the whole time, but their feet are not touching the ground. It's very important that you understand that their feet are not touching the ground. Okay. Okay. Now, then I went back to bed. You know, Jesus disappeared. The angel, you know, Michael was gone and I went back to my room and, and, you know, I went back, I went back to, tried to go back to sleep and I was analyzing what was going, you know, I'm I like, all right, we are here. Now, first of all, I have known since the eight, 1980s, ni- 90s, I guess. Do you do y'all you know about Frank Peretti's books that were about the spiritual warfare that were real popular like 90 91, 92, 93, 94, 95? Okay, Not there I'm was a head,
2: but yeah. Okay, there's yeah. a ser-
1: there was a series that he did that was about the spiritual war between the angels and the demons that were around the earth. Not okay. Cool. The point that the angel, the 10,000 angels were here. I knew something bad was coming. Why okay. would the angels not be fighting the spiritual war out here? Why are they fighting it here on earth? What was right. happening to the, why what was happening to the earth? And the first thing I thought was was we we're going to go to war. That's mm. the first thing I thought of. I thought, "My God, the war is right. coming. Some kind of right. war is coming." There maybe there's something that I knew that there was a that if it was angels here, it's a spiritual war. And that the evil was really making a play for men's souls. But their feet were not on the ground. And then later in my dreams and, and just connection with angels and everything, I knew that humans are the boots on the ground. We're the boots on the ground. The angels can't be on the ground, but we are the boots on the ground. The star seeds and you all having shows like this. We are the ones that are doing the work that humanity have. We have to save ourselves. Right? Am I getting Am I sounding like Fair a preacher? No, point.
0: no, no, not at all.
2: Not at all. And I'm that, loving that, this.
1: That's like the soapbox thing, you know?
2: No, no, no. You're you're no. You're good, Crushing it. I i'm totally listening to what you're saying
1: you know you know and so we we are the boots on the ground that's why their feet were not touching the ground i'm going that's why their feet were not touching the ground well then three or four months later we have the pandemic and we're locked down we can't buy food we don't have enough this we don't have enough of that you know the whole world is in a panic got
0: real weird
1: it got very (laughs) very weird the whole they world is in a panic. They're telling us to get vaccinated. They're telling me. I had 26 people, you know, one degree away family, friends, um, parents of friends that died that I know in my family that died during the pandemic and not one of them from COVID. Hmm. 26 yeah. Fa- funerals of I couldn't go to. My, yeah. I, wow. I, several of my cousins die. Oh, I couldn't go to their funerals that's how nutty yeah. everything was.
2: Yeah. You know? no, it got, it got real stupid.
1: Yeah. So, but I, felt the bad whole for time, those folks. I kept thinking that 10,000, you know, it's in Matthew where Jesus says, you know, put your sword away. You know, you who live by the for- sword are going to die by the sword. If you don't think that my father will send to us a, a legion upon legion, upon legion of angels. And I thought, Ten thousand—that's nothing. He can have a hundred thousand angels, you know, here, wow, to help us, right? Wow,
0: what a vision! Right, that well, is wild.
1: I got more. But that, that's in the next book.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, yeah. I that's, the thing is, is I mean. that hey, you know, all these kind of things are so experiential, but you know, your story is—I've heard those those type of stories where there's like you said legions of these beings that that people see yeah. at once and then you know a lot of times it is right before something either traumatic that happens to them you know maybe it was like right before they got the car accident um right you know right before they went to war um yeah you know it's like turbulent times these beings you call them angels you can call them, you know the whatever the, you
1: want you know the
0: Safarim, I mean, Safarim. that's right. the that's the uh uh that's like the mesopotamian word for and the right. mesopotamians have all these these winged beings in, in you know the you, the uma well, we have the
1: cherubim and the seraphim so you know it's a si- yeah. it's similar to the seraphim yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i but that's why i knew in my soul something was coming i just thought is this a, another housing crash is this a, a stock market crash is this a you know is a no food well it was all of them. yeah and a pandemic
2: right pretty much all of them yeah. at once yeah bingo it's, it's
0: yeah the, that ran the gamut of, of everything yeah and yeah you know and it's just the world went aflame with conspiracy the world went aflame with you know uh, uh, lockdowns and, yeah uh,
1: with the lockdowns i mean that was just people you know, fighting let's see with how each much other we can control you you know yeah.
0: Protests that are happening, and oh, it's yeah. just like you know, everybody wanted to be heard but couldn't. There's a but lot of frustration, you know. That's everywhere. right. A lot
1: of frustration, right? Oh
0: my gosh! And
1: that was that was a warning, and you know, there were so many, you know, uh, prognosticators and and prophets and everything saying this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but something is going on. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. And, <laughs> and I That's know that kind
1: of blew you away, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm still trying to process it. <laughs> <especially>. <laughs> well, so when it, get ahead, what man happened after <laughs> but so
2: you saw them you saw the Angels on the golf course. Anything yeah. after that during the pandemic? Anything else to kind of
1: Oh well, yeah. Further? There was a, I had okay. a lot. I have a lot. They're coming out in the next book and um Gotcha. But, yeah. I I mean, there was, it was just, I mean, almost like every four months, all through the whole pandemic, and then even post-pandemic, and that's, um, even, I will tell you this is, because we just got back from Cozumel, where I finished, I finally got my casts off, I had breakaway casts on my arms, so I could take them off, and I could type, but I mean, I was so driven by the angels to get this story done one morning for breakfast. I mean, I'm halfway through breakfast and I said, I am so sorry. I'm meeting these great people from all over the world at this wonderful bed and breakfast that, you know, Bill and I were at. Oh, my God. It was great. This fabulous garden I could write in and everything. And I said, I'm so sorry. I can't even stay for another cup of coffee. The angels are saying, you've got to get to work. You know, get to work, get to work. And I finished that book while I was there in Cozumel. But I mean, it, they, it, they are going, it's got to come out it's called Angel Timelines and it's, it's very timely. It is very, very timely. And, um, this is, I, I mean, I downloaded so much for that. Oh my God. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting wow.
0: experience. I can't wait for that to come out. Angel timelines, everybody. Um, yeah. Now, Kat, Catherine, I wanted to ask you, you know, some people, when we when we think about Valentine's Day, what pops in my, my head is when I was in second, third, fourth grade, my palms sweating, waiting to give those <laughs> Valentine's Day cards and put them in the girl's box and yeah. freaking out, getting a little crappy, tasty. So when we think of Valentine's Day, you know, it's like, oh, we forgot to get your mom a card or, or you know, your your wife or your girlfriend flowers. Uh, but really, you know, St. Valentine's and, and the story of it. And uh, how does yeah. that connect with angels and sort of the whole vibe of Valentine's Day?
1: Well, the the story that I have for Valentine's is, uh, first of all, it was my father's favorite holiday. He said it's it's. He said, you know, we have Halloween, we have Christmas, we have Easter, but he said, you know, Valentine's is the only day. This is before his near death experience. This is when I was, I was growing just going to
2: ask we that. Yeah, pinning
1: that. You know, when you're we were pinning our our little Valentines to the curtains, and my oh, mom yeah. was making a heart shaped cake and all that kind of stuff.
0: It's awesome.
1: And he, he said it's the only. Only holiday for love. That's true. So isn't that interesting that, you know, that would come from that guy? Well, anyway, um, my story is, is my father passed. When he died, he, he was, he died. He had, I don't know how many heart attacks and so many strokes before he finally, that last five years, he finally died, you know, and every time, I mean, he had three, I mean, he died literally three times. And, um, you know, when he finally really died, my sister said, well, is he really dead this time? Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) I believe it. I believe it.
1: Yeah, right? (laughs) Oh, man. So anyway. I like
0: her. I haven't even met her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, so that the next Christmas after that, um, I was in Houston and I was putting up my Christmas tree with my fiance at the time. And I had this ring that i had had for 25 years, you know, that had a a, a one, like a three fourths of a carat diamond at the top of it. And when we, it was a live tree, we put up this tree and I knocked the diamond out of the ring and we kept trying to find the diamond. And of course we didn't find it, you know, it was gone. And so, um, about two weeks after the tree was down and everything, about two weeks later, I came home and I went into my closet. I had a big closet at that time with a countertop in there. And there was a a, a particular um, uh, perfume bottle that was in the shape of a bracelet and it had a blue stone at the top of it. And there on the top of this blue stone, out of nowhere, was this big, almost one carat diamond, loose diamond sitting on the top of the the a perfume bottle. So I asked my girl that was, you know, helping me clean the house. I said, did you find this diamond? She said, no, I didn't find anything. And I thought, well, maybe it was in my sweater or something. And, you know, I knocked it off. And so anyway, for Valentine's day, my fiance said, what would you like for Valentine's? I said, well, I'd like one of those little hearts, you know, diamond hearts necklaces. I think it would be so cute to have one. I have it on right now. And, um, I said, I would really like a diamond heart, the, uh, necklace and i said he said well i know a diamond guy in in new in dallas he said we'll take the diamond and we'll trade it in and have the diamond made into a little necklace for you and i said okay so we mailed it to this guy along with the papers and everything and he and simon calls us and he, he calls me and he says um I, he said, "I'm really confused," and I said, "Why?" And he said, are, they, "Are you sure these are the papers that go with that diamond?" And I said, "Absolutely. I don't. I only got one diamond. <laughs> I don't have them like floating all around the house or anything." And he said, um, "Because these papers don't match this stone." And I said, "What?" And he said, "The stone that's in these papers is three fourths of a carat, and the one that I'm holding is over one carat and has wow. a flaw, but the two of them a- average out dollar wise." And he said, well, um, you know, we'll put them together and make you a little, a little heart. And I said, oh, that's great. That's great. Well, I was on a radio show in Houston and at the end of the radio show for Valentine's Day, the the my friend, you know, the DJ, he asked me, he said, if you could have anything for Valentine's Day, what would you like? And I said, I want a sign for my father that he is still alive and he loves me and The next day was Valentine's Day and my fiance gave me this heart and he said, well, it's really from your father because that was not, that was a stone that came from heaven. And he said, happy Valentine's Day from your father. And so Valentine's Day has always been this really, really, I mean, it was always important to me as a little girl, you know, mainly for the chocolate cake. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, i have always looked forward to that chocolate cake. But um, because he died on <laughs> Valentine's Day, and because that diamond appeared, and there are things that can disappear, that can appear and disappear through the, the different portals and, and dimensions. I've seen. I mean, I know, I know plenty of people that have a pearl appear and disappear. But I had a diamond appear in my closet, and we turned it into a necklace. That was from my father.
0: That's so weird! Wow. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's I'm an sorry. Un- that's, yes. that's an that's unusual Not, that's not your little candies and all that kind of stuff no. with flowers, but no, that's it's a that's real different. Valentine's
0: physical object,
1: angelic Valentine's story that I wanted to end the show with. I just beautiful. I, I it's it means so much to me because that Valentine was from my father.
0: That's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, that's yeah. already getting me in a, in in the mood for Valentine's Day. I'm a girl dad, so uh, Valentine's Day is a big deal. It's a house. big deal. It's a yeah, real big it. deal in our house. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they make it so fun to see so stoked. So I've actually gotten more into Valentine's Day than I've ever been in my entire oh, yeah. life, you know, yeah. in the last, you know, 10 to 8, eight to 10 years here. Oh, but, I, uh, I know,
1: I know.
0: But you know the the years going so fast when you look up and you're like, oh my god, it's
1: Valentine's Day already. I know.
0: That's how I know how quickly yeah. this year take long. Is, this <laughs> year is already flying. By.
1: It is flying by. It is mm-hmm. really flying by. Yep, it is Man,
0: fantastic. Well, I wanted to ask you real quickly about your uh, the book. You mentioned the book that's getting ready to come out. Uh, yeah. But your recent book. Uh, that we were talking. Magical a little bit,
1: midnight.
0: Yeah, magical midnight. Tell us a little bit about this book.
1: This one, it, it is a it is a fiction. It is my uh, first one in about four years. It is a it is a romance, and it is between a human and an angel. And I have um, Angel 7777 uh, comes to Earth on the winter solstice. And she has three days to bring an estranged father and son back together before Christmas Eve when she, her mission ends. But she's not ready for the fact that she can fall in love with a, with a human. And um, I'm not wow. going to tell you the ending because it was, it's, a, it's a very happy ending. And, uh, but there's a lot of um, uh, really strong um, um, uh, downloaded angelic messages that I've carefully woven like silver threads through the, the narrative of the story mm-hmm. so that it, it opens up a, a lot of people to see some of the spiritual side in their own life, just even as they're reading the story. Um, and then it will lead you into, um, um, angel timelines. Yeah.
0: Beautiful, beautiful.
1: Very cool. There you
0: go, guys. If you're into, uh, romance novels, that's a a new take. I think a a fresh take, you know, I think I remember an eighties movie where there was an angel that came back to earth and it was like kind of one of those, those, uh, like Michael Landon. Kind of funny '80s movies where, yes. you know, it's like those the, almost like Pretty in Pink or uh, you know one of those kind of teenage heartthrob uh, films from the '80s. But it was an angel that had come back, and and they mm-hmm. did it with a mannequin. If you remember the movie Mannequin, they also I remember, remember the mannequin. movie Mannequin. Yeah, movie. It, it was kind of like Mannequin, but the yeah. angel version of it's like somebody did Mannequin. They're like, oh, we could just make it about an angel. Um, <laughs> I, I know somebody in the chat is gonna know that movie. Yeah. Probably. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this has been awesome, Catherine. We really, really, really appreciate you. And uh, you know, I, I would love to uh you know hear some final thoughts from you and then also let everybody know where we can find you, uh where they can find your books, and uh and this will uh this is our first uh Valentine's Day episode and what a great story you to told. So thank you so much for that.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Um everybody can find me. I have a brand new website. It just went live two days ago. It's called www.officialcatherinelanigan.com And um there you can order my books uh, straight from there. And the only way you can get a first edition and signed by me is through my um my website. The ebook is up on um uh Amazon right now, and the print book is going to go live next week on all the venues. It'll be Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Good, you know, it'll be worldwide. So, uh, we're really excited.
0: I'm so excited for you, Cal. Yeah. Uh, Wish you the best of luck, and
1: uh, you you know,
0: sometime we got to come and hang out with you and Bill and go on an adventure. We need to go on an adventure with you guys.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, I know. Well, yeah. Yeah, we're we're uh, we've always got an adventure going. That's for darn sure.
2: Well, that's the way to be. That's the way to yeah, be. Keep, why not? keep the yeah, keep the ball rolling. Yeah, Rolling Stone <laughs> gathers no moss. You know. That's
1: right. Yeah,
2: that's a good yeah. way to be. Yeah. Well,
0: well, we will absolutely keep in contact with you guys. This Please do. Please awesome.
1: do. Awesome.
0: Uh, thank you so much for the amazing stories. Thank you oh, very much. You're, you're most welcome always been a fascination of mine like i said i've had uh, personal stories that that i've kind of told in the past about my mother mm-hmm. and her nde and uh and you know just it, it, growing up catholic angels are yep. were such a big part of kind of our upbringing and mm-hmm. so it was always a fascination to actually hear real stories about these encounters and it sounds like you've cataloged so many of those stories so guys yeah. Go check out all of Catherine's books. Go check her out. Uh, co- connect with her. And uh, Catherine, some final words for our audience, and uh, we will put this Valentine's Day episode to bed.
1: Well, my 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 biggest word, especially on Valentine's Day, is a day. For, it is a day for love, and tell everyone that you love that you do love them. I mean, call somebody that you haven't talked to for a long time. And there, there are so many people right now that are very depressed and they need an extra little hug. And even if it's from afar, it's a, it's a very good thing to do. You know, give them a hug and always thank your angels and ask the angels to come in and help you. They're there to help you. There's a prayer that we say um, all the time it's dear angels, please show me that I can have everything that I want for the greater good, for myself and all of humanity. So for the whole collective, everything that you ask for yourself, if you ask it for the, the collective, we're all the human race. We're all part of each other. We're all the divine spark, and we, we have God in each other. And it is so wonderful to see that in each other. And when we pray for each other, That prayer always comes back to us. So um, Valentine's Day is that day for love, and it's a and always remember that the Creator loves you unconditionally, twenty four seven. And if they invented another day of the week, the Creator would love you that day too. So um, happy Valentine's Day, happy love day to everyone. And and thank you, thank you for letting me come on your show and share my stories and, and um, hopefully we give hope to those who need some hope and love to everyone.
0: Beautiful, Catherine. I all that. Oh, beautiful. Well and happy Thank Valentine's you. day to you, Catherine. Happy, happy, happy day. Valentine's day to everybody out there. Yeah. Catherine Lanigan, everybody. Thank you again. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks guys.
1: I really we'll appreciate
0: be, it. We'll be right back, Catherine. We're going to say goodbye. Bub and okay. I will outro the show and we'll come and say goodbye. And uh, and send you on, all right? Okay. <laughs> Amazing stories. Uh, yeah, really cool. Really. We really need to cool. get.
2: We need to get the duo of her and Bill in the yep. studio at the same time. That was the epic. Turn it Catherine into a. And Bill. Yeah, that that would be a that would be like a weekend. I'm with you. We'd have to do like double record, but. I'm yeah, with that you. was great. She has great stories. I love that. Uh, you know the whole thing about. The professor saying, oh, you shouldn't write. And then somebody years later, you should. And it's the whole context of, you know, made me think, like, how how do some people have that, like, just unabashed belief in themselves that they're going to do whatever they're going to climb Everest, they're going to whatever. And I'm like, I'm not sure I locked my house. Yeah.
0: Is somebody you know? guiding them?
2: Is there some but, force behind them? Right. But you have somebody yeah. told her initially, Hey, don't ever write again. It's like, man, don't yeah. listen to that person. But how do you know? What if you, I mean, that's a person, especially that, uh, when you're young. Absolutely. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So anyways, I just thought that was very interesting. Um, Great you message. Know how many times too, do people not really find out what they need to do or what path they should be on until I always love the one about different actors or whoever, like Steve Buscemi was a firefighter. Up until like age 40, I think. And then he started acting or whoever. So sometimes, you know, it might yeah. take a little while, but you know, if you mm-hmm. stick to it and you just kind of keep at it, and uh, sometimes it just kind of falls into place. Yeah, glad Catherine did. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: We wouldn't have uh, 48 awesome books. <laughs> Gonna be 49.
2: That's wild. Uh, That's
0: wild. Almost 50. But hey, guys, as always, hey, actually, that new Discord channel is live mm-hmm. the Discord server is live hit that yep. link in the description if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere else it's linked all over the place join us in Discord you can follow us on all the social media platforms at the strange road if you're here in YouTube hit that like and subscribe button gotta be that notification bell and if you guys are listening in Spotify Apple or anywhere else hit that five star review we appreciate the hell out of each and every one of you. We are out. Love, peace, and chicken grease. (laughs)
2: Later, everybody.